sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. So you're about to have a baby. Whether you are a first-time mom or this is your second or third time around, what happens during that first week after your baby is born can make an impact on your breastfeeding relationship. What are some of the common challenges that breastfeeding mothers face during the first week postpartum and what can you do to maximize your success? Today we are featuring the second episode in our series, The New Breastfeeding Mom Manual. Our episode today focuses on breastfeeding during the first week and I'm thrilled to introduce Ashley Treadwell, a private practice lactation consultant in San Diego, California. This is The Boob Group, episode 88. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk. What's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva. Don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk never had to pump. Breast milk. All udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the Boob Group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to the Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. Did you know that you can become more involved in our episodes even if you can't make it into the studio? You can post a question on our Facebook page, and we will have one of our experts answer it on an upcoming episode. Plus, you can become more involved in our recording days through our virtual panelist program. Our producer, MJ, will tell us a little bit more about this program in just a few minutes. I would love to introduce our panelists, though, first before we get into the episode. So, ladies, um, will you please introduce yourselves? Melissa? Hi, my name is Melissa Hoxie. I have a six-week, almost six-week-old little boy, and um, I'm a registered nurse, and actually, I'm a lactation consultant myself, but I will not take the boards till July, hopefully this year, but probably next year. Ah, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. I also have a 22, 23-month-old daughter who is also breastfeeding. Awesome. She cannot make it here. Yes, I'm (laughs) tandeming. Good for you. All right. Julie. Uh, my name is Julie Sanders. I'm 31. I'm an engineer, and I have my first uh, child. Uh, she is just five weeks old today. All right. And Christina. I'm Christina Fite. I'm a marketing uh, director and a business owner for Marketing Consulting. I'm 35, which I just had to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Anything over 34, we don't ever, we don't even remember. <laughs> I have my first child, just over four weeks, Cypress, a boy, and uh, loving it. 
Awesome. Well, welcome to the show, ladies. MJ, you want to tell us about our virtual panelist program? Yes. Uh, so as Robin had mentioned, our virtual panelist program is a great way to join our online conversation. When we record, if you're not local or you just can't be in the studio and you still want to share your story or your opinions on our topics, you can. Uh, we post on our social medias, Facebook and Twitter, uh, the same questions that we ask our in-studio panelists while we're recording the show live. So, And if you want to check out our website, theboobgroup.com under the community tab you'll find more info on being a VP and possible perks for participation. Awesome thanks MJ. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sounds familiar? <coughs> if your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. So before we get started, uh, we're going to talk about something that was in the news and headlines um, this past week. And so um, for those of you who did not see the Instagram photo going around about supermodel Giselle um, getting her... um, her hair done, all pampered up while she was breastfeeding. And what she wrote was, what would I do without this beauty squad after 15 hours of flying and only three hours of sleep? And you see her getting her hair nicely done. And she's got this beautiful little baby just feeding while she's getting all pampered. And so there's been a lot of controversy over this photo, which I, I actually just the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. Like, I wish that when I was breastfeeding that I would have someone doing my hair and my nails. Um, I was, you know, I just thought how fantastic that she's still breastfeeding while she's you know getting ready for a shoot or whatever she was getting ready for um and so but then some other people came back and had really negative reactions around it so I just wanted to kind of toss it out to our panelists and also to Ashley our expert what was your initial response um when you saw this so Ashley you want to go first sure I thought it was fantastic as well um I loved that the baby was a little bit older also I think that's a great encouragement for moms out there who are nursing older babies uh and it was great to see a woman doing her job and nursing while she's doing it and not for it to be a big deal yeah that's kind of what I was thinking too how about you Melissa what was your reaction again awesome (laughs) I mean she's got a one-year-old on her lap and we look at celebrities every day for you know inspiration and here someone is feeding their child doing their job it's great I loved it yeah how about you Julie she just looks so calm, laid back, just like, I got this. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Very motivating, especially for the moms who have early on <laughs> three-week, four-week, five-week, six-week-old babies, and they're like, oh, man. Like, I a can year actually- from now, you'll look like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I look about ten times more harried than that, I think. <laughs> How about you, Christina? Same. Just amazing. I mean, it was it wasn't really even a shock or a reaction that was extreme. It was just kind of like, wow, that's really cool. Okay. It just seems so normal now yeah. to see, wow, okay, there's another mom breastfeeding, doing her thing, 
making it work whatever situation she's in. And it's really nice to see that it's so comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to see how they kind of incorporate breastfeeding, how other people incorporate it throughout their day and just in their day-to-day lives because it feels like... I don't know, such a big thing right now. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. And how much easier it gets when your kiddo gets a little bit older. Right. How about you, MJ? I love the little one reaching up to, you know, she's grabbing her her necklace. necklace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous, um, you know, photo, just the breastfeeding itself. But obviously, you know, she's just looking like she's she is gorgeous but she's just looking so gorgeous so it's it's uh, just so sad how our society can take something like this and turn it because it's I mean obviously she's working and she's taking care of her child it's awesome at the same time how Mm -hmm. lucky is she (laughs) (laughs) exactly all right well thanks ladies okay round two name something that's not boring laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no details. Well, so today on The Boob Group, we're discussing breastfeeding during the first week after your baby is born. Our expert, Ashley Treadwell, is an international board-certified lactation consultant with the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. Thanks so much for joining us, Ashley, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Sure. Well, so Ashley, we discussed breastfeeding during the first 24 hours in our last episode and how sleepy babies tend to be during that time. And so after those first 24 hours, babies tend to wake up a little bit. Um, How often is it... um, or how often is normal for babies to eat per, um, per day during this first week? And how long does a typical breastfeeding session take at this time? This is a great question. I think this is a very frustrating question for a lot of moms because they get a lot of different information. So some people are telling them every, you know, it should take 20 minutes every two hours. Some people are saying 10 times in a day. So short answer is a baby should be eating eight or more times in 24 hours. Long answer is that we want moms to pay more attention to the baby than we do the clock. So while Eight times in 24 hours works out to about every two or three hours. Um, If a baby is showing hunger signs earlier than two hours, then feed your baby. As far as the length of feedings, similarly, we want moms to to watch the baby as well. Um, You want to watch the baby when the baby seems done and satisfied a breastfeeding session is over. However, a lot of moms want a concrete answer for this. So I will often tell moms that during that first week, a normal breastfeeding session should take about 40 minutes, uh, possibly longer. It's also really important for moms to understand the difference between a feeding session and a sleeping at the breast session. (laughs) So you want to make sure that that 40 minutes or whatever it is, the baby's actively feeding. You're seeing lots of jaw movement, hearing lots of swallowing. Um, With time that the baby's sleeping at the breast, while if it's okay with mom, it's fine. We shouldn't count that as part of the feeding time. Okay. And is it helpful for parents to keep track of feedings, like uh, keep track of feedings and peas and poops during that first week? It absolutely is. Uh, Keeping track of those things is what tells parents whether or not breastfeeding is going well. Um, And when we say keep track, we mean actually keep track by either writing down on a piece of paper on a log there are also a ton of smart apps that are available right now for parents to use which I know a lot of parents really enjoy because we use our phones for everything Um, those first days you're so tired you're so overwhelmed you think you're going to know how many times you fed your baby or how many times your baby peed but often you don't and so it's really important to keep track of that Um, it lets you know that things are going well 
baby that's breastfeeding well will be eating, as I said, eight or more times in 24 hours. Uh, peas and poops, there should be one per day of life. So first day they should have one of each, second day two of each, so on, until they reach about day five, and then it should be five, five of each. Um, it also will let a parent know if things aren't going well. Um, if a baby isn't pooping or peeing as much, if they're not able to get those those eight feedings in, um, they know then that it's, it's time to probably call in some help. And when help is needed as a lactation consultant, when parents have those logs, it's really good information for us to know. Okay, fantastic. Thanks, Ashley. Ladies, um, how often did your baby feed in that first week or so? Was it always about those 30 to 40 minutes? Did you find that it varied? Um, how about you, Melissa? Um, he varied, definitely varied. Um, we went every two to three hours. Um, I didn't keep track as much as I should have. Um, well, not necessarily. It doesn't yeah. mean that, I mean, if things are going well, you don't necessarily have to keep track as much. Yeah, I knew he was eating at more than, you know, once I got to the eight, then I stopped. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I stopped counting. Yeah. Um, but his stools were less, so that's where my concern came in. But yeah, we, we kept track. We didn't, in a verb, like in our head, talk to my husband. That's how we did it together. Okay, cool. How about you, Julie? Um, it was about every hour, I think. I remember I, I was using an app, and uh, it kind of totals up at the end of the day how many times you fed, and it was always like 21, 22. Oh, <laughs> so I'm like, wow, like every hour. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Christina? Uh, the 8 to 12 was, was pretty common for the first week, but I had a, they warned me about the cluster feeding. And so I would have times where it was it felt like four hours straight <laughs> with about 15, 20-minute break. Yeah. But the hospital gave us a uh, tracking chart, and my husband was, there's got to be an app for that, and kept telling me, log it in the app. And I'm like, I can't even see. I'm going to log it on paper. Yeah. But it was really helpful to log and see how many peas and poops when you couldn't really think back how many consistent hours when everything kind of runs into each other. It was great to just track it. Very cool. Um, Ashley, when when does a mom's milk tend to change from colostrum to mature milk? And, and how much should a baby be taking in per feeding during that first week? It's it's based on baby's tummy, tummy size, right? It is. It absolutely is. Uh, and baby's tummies are tiny at the beginning. So it's really important for parents to understand this. Um, as a lactation consultant, I love what I can visually show a parent how much a baby needs in that first feeding. First day, baby only needs about five milliliters per feeding, which is a teaspoon, which is a tiny amount. Um, as for your question about the milk transition, um, mom's milk transitions from that colostrum, which is the first milk, and very low in volume, which is okay because the baby only needs a very small amount. Around day three to five is when the milk will transition from that to the more mature milk where there's a greater volume. Uh, second time moms may see this happen sooner than day three to five. As I mentioned, the first day it's only about five milliliters. Second day that jumps up to 15, which is about a tablespoon. Um, third and fourth day we're looking at about an ounce per feeding up to day 14 where they're taking about two and a half. Um, as I said, I, I think a lot of moms worry in the beginning because the colostrum amount is so low that they don't have enough to feed their baby. So for them to understand how small the baby's stomachs are helps them to feel more confident that they can provide everything their baby needs. Okay. And, you know, some weight loss for baby is really normal during that first week, too, which a lot of parents maybe don't know about. And so why do all babies lose weight and what is too much? Sure. It's um, all babies lose weight. Um, it's very common. The, the normal range is anywhere from 5 to 7%. And the reason that babies lose weight, uh, the first one is that babies are born full. Um, they're born full of that meconium, which is that really dark, sticky first poop. Um, they're born full. So when they're weighed the first time, they're weighed with that in their tummy. And then over the next couple of days, they're pooping that stuff out. So their weight's going to drop. 
Another reason that babies lose weight is that uh, moms often receive a large amount of IV fluids during labor, and the baby takes on those fluids, and so it sort of creates um, an unnatural weight amount. It's higher than it would have been otherwise. So over the next few days, as the baby's shedding this excess fluid, their weight will drop down. If a mom has had a very long labor with a lot of fluids, sometimes we'll see a baby who's breastfeeding well, whose whose weight loss is higher than the 7%. You said what's too much. Anything over 10% is when um, you'd want to definitely seek help and, and when interventions may be suggested. Um, but like I said, there are times for a very long labor when even a baby who's breastfeeding well their weight loss may be a little bit higher. Okay. And in addition to the ones you just mentioned, what are some reasons why babies lose too much weight sure. in that first week? And, and when it's too much, when there may be a problem, it's it's be- mostly because the baby isn't breastfeeding well. And there are a number of reasons why a baby isn't breastfeeding well. Um, one could be um, a sleepy baby. Premature babies are often very sleepy and may not be feeding very well. Um, a baby, If a baby is tongue-tied and not able to latch on well and efficiently transfer milk, um, they may be losing more weight. can also be uh, an issue on mom's side with supply. Um, if mom has a history of breast surgeries or something called insufficient glandular tissue, um, her supply may be a bit compromised, which would cause the baby to lose weight as well. Okay. Ladies, um, how, do you remember how much weight your baby lost in that first week? And um, was it anything that your pediatrician was concerned about? How about you, Melissa? I was actually close to 10%. Um, and my baby hadn't stooled for almost 20, no, 48 hours. And so that was concerning to uh, my pediatrician and myself. So, but he was eating enough, and I know I was making enough milk. I can see it; it was squirting. <laughs> so I and was. And he's your second baby. You he, were, you had a, a toddler who yes. was also. And she was she was nursing, so I wasn't as much as he was concerned. He wanted me to keep coming back, and I just I wasn't just going to sit there and worry about too much. I knew he would catch up. He had already had his three meconium stools in the hospital, and we just kept just feeding him, letting him eat, and eventually he started stooling again, and his weight picked up with him. He gained another four ounces, five ounces back in four days, so. Then doctor was a little bit more confident. That no, he wanted me to come back again, and I just said, no, I'll be back for two months. <laughs> <laughs> well, and breastfeeding support groups are great places to do weight checks, too, so that way if you're feeling like you don't want to go into the doctor's office, you still have these digital scales you can you can check in if you're if moms are not feeling as confident as as sometimes second moms are feeling too. So, cool. Um, how about you, Julie? Um, she when she uh, left the hospital, she had only lost about two ounces, so she didn't lose very much. But uh, she, we had trouble with her gaining it back because uh, we discovered later she had a tongue tie and a lip tie, so she was kind of getting just enough milk for a while. So um, she stayed at. Uh, seven pounds eight ounces for a while and actually my pediatrician wasn't concerned because I discovered they actually misrecorded her weight the first time we brought her in and it was uh, seven pounds seven ounces I think and they wrote seven zero mm. so I brought her in the next week and she hadn't gained anything and, and they're like oh no that, that looks fine to me <laughs> oh my goodness yeah so you know it, it was very helpful to record uh, uh, for myself what her weight has been sure for, you know, because I was able to catch that. And you had mentioned that she was feeding 21, 22 times a day, and so that tongue tie and lip tie probably mm-hmm. were yeah. were impeding her getting all that milk out that you had. Exactly. Um, how about you, Christina? 
I uh, had him at six ounces down at the hospital. And, um, you know, they do the two days afterwards. We came in and did the checkup, and he was still a little bit down. But they were actually really reassuring, saying as long as he's feeding okay and he's feeding often and, you know, he's not waiting till we cry and you're seeing the signs that he's hungry and he's latching on well, they said he'll get there and we'll see you in a couple of weeks and test it again. And everything worked out great. So it was actually nice that they were the opposite. They were very reassuring that don't be worried about it. Everything looks like it's going okay. Cool, cool. MJ, do we have any uh, VPs joining in on our conversation? We do. Um, we've got Pippa Hartridge. She said that her daughter, the DD number one, lost 10% in the two days after a very traumatic hospital birth, and uh, we were readmitted. 24 hours of supplementation with cup feeding, help from a bre- breastfeeding counselor, and we were off on our breastfeeding journey. Um, DD number two born calmly at home, breastfeeding established, easily gained weight steadily from birth and two very different experiences, she says. Absolutely. Well, and I think she kind of reiterates the point too, that sometimes the the birth can actually play into why um, why babies lose a lot of weight in the beginning as well. Um, She did mention those supplementation, which is actually kind of our next question for Ashley. So when what are mom's options for supplementation during that first week? And does it always have to be given by a bottle? It doesn't. This is a great question. I think many people, when they hear the word supplementation, they automatically think it's formula in a bottle, and it's not. Uh, Moms have lots of different options when it comes to supplementation. Uh, Mom can supplement with her own milk. She can use a breast milk, or I'm sorry, a breast pump to express the milk and then feed it to her baby that way. If for some reason the mom can't express the milk that's needed to supplement the baby, there's always donor milk as an option as well. As far as methods, um, there are also lots of different methods. Um, Our favorite as lactation consultants is to actually supplement at the breast, and that's done with a a small syringe of uh, mom's milk. Uh, You attach a little tube to the end, and then when baby latches onto mom, you slide the tube into the baby's mouth, uh, give the syringe a little push, and then it pushes the milk into the baby's mouth. So baby thinks he's getting his meal from mom. And that's the reason that we like it. It keeps the baby at the breast. It avoids any confusion. It also provides good stimulation for mom while baby's there, which is good for building a supply. If supplementing isn't at the breast isn't an option, uh, moms can finger feed, which is similar to supplementing at the breast, but it's using the tube on the finger rather than the breast. Um, And a slow flow bottle is always an option. Um, And a lactation consultant can teach parents how to feed a baby a bottle in a way that's breastfeeding friendly. I think that's very important. Um, And I think the thing to remember for supplementation and something that we are always um, reminding our clients is that we're hoping it's a temporary measure. It's mom and baby have hit a speed bump of some sort. We're getting over that speed bump, but until we get over it, it's needed. So we're hoping a few days, maybe a week. All right. Fantastic. Well, when we come back, Ashley will discuss jaundice, sore nipples, engorgement, and normal infant behavior during the first week. We got a lot to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be right back. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Thank you. 
Well, welcome back to the show. We are here with Ashley Treadwell, an international board certified lactation consultant in San Diego. And we are talking about what breastfeeding looks like during that first week after your kiddo is born. So Ashley, we've talked about, you know, babies losing weight, how often babies should be feeding. And one of the speed bumps that often actually facilitates babies losing weight too um, is jaundice. And so what are the signs of jaundice in the first week and what causes it? Sure. So what causes jaundice is uh, an elevated amount of bilirubin in a baby's blood. Uh, Bilirubin is the byproduct of the breakdown of old red blood cells. I'm sorry, red blood cells. Um, We all have bilirubin in our blood. Our liver processes it and it comes out in our stool. So a baby who has jaundice, their liver isn't properly processing the bilirubin, so their levels are raised. Um, Signs of jaundice are often a very sleepy baby, a baby who is hard to wake to feed, um, a baby that's not pooping enough, um, and also jaundice is often associated with the yellow tinge to the baby's skin um, or eyes. So now if a mom has a jaundice baby, what what are some remedies to get rid of this jaundice to kind of perk up the baby sure. a little bit? So the most important thing is to feed the baby frequently, breastfeed the baby frequently, wake them up, um, get them naked, get them awake, um, and feed them as much as possible. We want to move um, that stool through the body. Um, supplementation may be recommended if the baby isn't feeding enough or pooping enough. Um, another you know, and again, with supplementation, we want to remind moms that it doesn't mean it has to be formula. You can supplement with your own milk. Um, another option is, um, and they will do this in the hospital sometimes when the, the levels are high enough, is phototherapy. They put the babies under um, a special type of light that breaks up the bilirubin in the blood. Okay. And I remember um, some pediatricians will recommend just put your baby near a light and so have that indirect sunlight coming through the window. I meant, I, what is what I meant to say, the light from the window. Right. Um, and so that can sometimes help because the yes. skin, it, the bilirubin goes to the skin. Yes. And so you can see it. Um, and so sometimes that, that indirect light can help kind of remove it as well. Um, ladies, did any of your babies have jaundice? No. She no. was close. The, um, she was right on the borderline where they had to do the blood test instead. Okay. Um, but she came back as in the normal range. Okay. That's good. And, you know, one thing to mention, too, is that if, when they do the blood test, the, the amount that's in the safe range, like Julie's talking about, changes as the baby gets older, too. And so what might be on the cusp on day three, if that level's the exact same thing on day four, it's no longer, it often can be no longer a concern. And so were, were any any methods recommended to you, Julie, or they just said just keep feeding the baby? Yeah, well, it was when I was still in the hospital, so they were like, yeah, we're going to keep testing in the meantime, keep feeding her, and there wasn't much else to do. Yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, Ashley, how common are sore nipples in that first week? What's what's normal and what are some indicators that there's maybe a little bit of room for improvement? Sure. So uh, nipples, this is the stuff of <laughs> horror stories for breastfeeding. I'm sure everybody has or has heard a, a scary nipple story. Um, it's very common to have some nipple tenderness in the first week. It's an amount of stimulation that most of us aren't used to. So it's really common to be tender. Um, anything beyond mild tenderness indicates that there may be a problem. Um, you know, and uh, problems could be, the biggest problem is a latch. If a baby isn't latching well, um, they're compressing the nipple. When a baby feeds, um, when they come off the nipple, the nipple should look like it did when it went into the baby's mouth. It should be round. If the nipple is flattened or compressed, that indicates that the baby isn't latching well. 
um, there may be a problem. Um, anytime there's any sort of tissue breakdown, if the nipple is cracked or blistered or bleeding, um, something's going on and some lactation help is probably necessary. Okay. And um, do most sore nipples, this kind of more of the tenderness, do they tend to resolve in that first week? Yes. If breastfeeding is going well, if baby is latching well, um, after the first week or so, it, it should really fade. If um, you're still sore after the first week, and again, if there's any of the tissue breakdown, then you might want to seek some help because it could could indicate that there's something going wrong. Um, There are some physiological issues with moms that can cause um, pain sort of beyond that first week, even if the baby is latching well. Um, It's not super common, but there are moms who experience something called vasospasms. Um, It has to do with poor circulation that will cause mom pain when baby comes off the breast. She'll feel some kind of shooting pains and things. Um, There are lots of remedies for that. Okay. And, you know, to mention, too, the vasospasms, we're usually looking for some whiteness to the tip of the nipple that then all of a sudden turns pink and you get kind of those searing pains like you were describing. Usually it doesn't hurt while the baby's feeding, though, because the baby's mouth is nice and warm. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And Ashley, what are some of your favorite remedies for for sore, tender nipples? Sure. So favorite is um, organic coconut oil and express breast milk. Um, Those are the two best things. Both are antifungal, antibacterial. Um, It's important to keep the nipples moist for a long time. When I had my first child, I was told to air them out all the time. I walked around with no shirt on for weeks. My husband was so happy. <laughs> um, but that's that's actually not really what you should do. You want to keep them moist. That will help them heal. Um, the best remedy for sore nipples is a good latch, um, a baby that's latching well. Um, beyond that, if you have still some soreness, soreness there um, are things called hydrogels. Um, there are lots of different kinds of, um, lots of different companies make them, um, but they're small pads with a cooling gel that feel just amazing when your nipples are sore. So that's a good option as well. Okay. Um, Ladies, did any of you deal with sore nipples in that first weekend? If so, how long did they last and and what worked uh, best for you? Christina, you want to take that one since you're nodding? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually, uh, I knew it was from the latching. He latched really well on the right, but not on the left. And it seems like no matter which way I tried to practice all the holds, he just wasn't latching well. And uh, I used the cream. I used, um, I didn't know about the cooling pads, so I used ice cubes and uh, everything that I could. And I finally, somebody turned me on to a nipple shield, and that helped at least to get the healing. Because it was like, once it was raw, I just couldn't. I, it hurt every time I fed, so I just knew I needed to get past the rawness and let it to heal. And because we got the latch down, so once I got past, you know, the few days of a little bit of rawness, got it to heal with the nipple shield. Um, then it was, you know, we got the hang of the latching, and it worked out well. Very cool. How about you, Julie? Uh, yeah, I'm still, I still have sore nipples <laughs> again because of the uh, lip and the tongue tie. She started uh, chomping. Uh, my nipples with her gums, uh, which I'd never heard the, oh, they're, your nipple's supposed to come out the same shape as it went in. And that would have been... <laughs> it doesn't, huh? <laughs> no, it comes out very smush. Is, is anything helping your soreness at this point? Um, a lot of what helps is just when she goes longer between feedings and they get kind of a break to recover. That helps a lot. The hydrogel pads have made a huge, <laughs> huge difference. Um, and mostly just getting help with her gumming them in the first place that's really what works the best um yeah (laughs) okay how about you melissa not with him but with my daughter i did and i was really nervous that i was going to have him again when he was born but i thought well during my last three months of pregnancy when she nursed it was it was actually very uncomfortable and i was like oh 
is this ever going to go away? Yeah. It didn't hurt like when she was first born, but it just was annoying. <laughs> but now, but with her, it was two weeks, and my sister said, if it still hurts after two weeks, you need to get help. Yeah. It went away after two weeks. With him, I think she paved the way. <laughs> <laughs> so lucky me, because it was like the pain went away. So I kind of got lucky there. I was like, oh, well, it's gone. So now she nurses, they both nurse, and there's no pain at all. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I, as, as just like you had mentioned, Christina, I actually used a nipple shield for, with both my boys um, for the first, like, once we got home from the hospital. So they were like four days old, three, four days old. And then um, I used it for about a week just to kind of repair the damage that had been done. <laughs> build um, up your courage. Build up my courage, yeah. Well, <laughs> and the great thing was it, it kept them breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. You yes. Know? It, ju- it kept them at the breast. It just provided a little bit of separation <laughs> between bare nipple and their mouth. Um, and then once they healed, I was able to take it off, and um, and then their latch was fine. Yeah. So. And now every once in a while with the cluster feed, they get a little sore, and it's nice yeah. to just have it ready at the hand to say, okay, well, this next feeding session, we're just going to put it on for a little bit until we heal up in a few hours and then take it off again. Definitely. And our next episode is actually about nipple shields. So if you're using (laughs) nipple shields, you can tune in next week and you can hear about those as well. Um, And Ashley, so to go from kind of sore nipples to now more engorgement. So how how common is engorgement and, um, and what actually causes it? True engorgement is actually not that common, but most moms feel some level of it. Um, Engorgement happens when your milk makes that, that transition from the first milk, which is very low in volume, to the mature milk, which is very high in volume. Um, so your breasts fill up with milk, and oftentimes uh, the baby at that moment is not taking um, everything that's in the breast. So the baby's feeding but not draining the breasts. The more the dress- breasts aren't drained, the more they become engorged. Okay. And what, what is normal fullness, and then what indicates a possible problem? Normal fullness is just that. Your breasts feel full and heavy. They may feel a little bit firm um, before feeding, but as you're feeding the baby, they start to soften. Um, Problem engorgement is when they're so firm and so hard that the baby can't latch on if they're extremely painful. Um, Sometimes moms can run a low-grade fever. If the baby isn't able to latch on and move the milk, then um, a mom would want to seek some help. Um, First is to feed the baby often, is to try and move that milk as much as you can. Um, Prior to feeding, it's nice to get the milk moving. Uh, You can do that with warm compresses or a warm shower is nice. Something else that moms can do is they can do some pumping to help relieve the pressure. Um, Sometimes moms can do a little bit of pumping and actually hand expression is um, even better than hand uh, than pumping because it's easier. You don't have to get out the pump and plug it in and attach it. Um, So do a little bit of hand expression before feeding the baby that helps soften things up and gets the milk moving. Baby is often able to latch on easier. And then after feeding, if mom is still feeling incredibly full and uncomfortable. She can do a little bit of pumping or a little bit of hand expression. We really caution moms in that situation to just do a small amount just to comfort um, because more pumping or more hand expression is sending that message to your body to make more milk, which sort of increases this vicious cycle. Okay. And another thing that I love too, um, Jean Cotterman came up with this, coined the term reverse pressure softening. And so what it is, is, um, and we'll include a link to this on our website. um, But if you put your fingers, all five of your fingers from one hand um, into kind of like the shape of like a flower, like almost like petals of a flower. And you leave a little opening in the center for where your nipple will go. And you take your fingers and you press into the areola in these five different points where your fingers are. And what it does is it pushes back the edema into the breast and makes your 
your nipple pop out a little bit. And so what it can do is actually for moms who are finding that their entire breast is so full that baby's slipping off kind of like they were trying to latch onto their knee, um, <laughs> it, um, it pushes that edema back, that swelling back just a little bit. And so that way baby can get on, start swallowing hopefully some milk, and then we'll help just kind of pop the cork on the champagne, I like to call it, where it's like all of a sudden the milk just starts to flow. It's not really kind of stuck in there. So that, that's another little trick as well. Um, so ladies, did you find that your breasts were super uncomfortable during this first week? And if so, how long did it last? And, and what worked best when you were kind of reducing that swelling? Julie, how were, you, how were your breasts during that time? <laughs> um, they weren't actually uncomfortably full. In fact, since she was feeding so often, I would sometimes get panicked that oh she sucked me dry and I'm out of milk so when they would have that full feeling I actually really liked it Mm -hmm. because I felt like okay I have enough to feed her I'm good (laughs) well and that's a really good point to make too is that moms that are feeding more frequently may not end up ever feeling that true fullness because baby's constantly waking up and feeding so um how about you Melissa I actually did the when my first one I didn't feel ever full the first week, but the second time I did because I was trying to adjust with the two of them. Yep. I didn't want her to get on and nurse everything out yeah. and leave him nothing. So I really kept her, I let feed her for him first and then feed her. And then I would wake up the next morning and I actually almost had a, um, infection cause I had redness at my lower breast and I was very full. So at that point I was like, okay, you need, you need to feed. So yeah. both of them <laughs> and she was happy. Oh, I get to just whenever? Yes, feed, 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 you know. (laughs) And I feed her first. The same thing. I was nervous, though. Don't let her feed fully on it because I didn't want to keep getting gorged. So to keep that balance was a little bit difficult in the beginning. was, okay, who, how much should she feed and when should he go on? So I did the first week or first time with her, nothing, no engorgement. But with him, so it was a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of times second time moms will find that they have more engorgement as well because um, if you think about it, when you first start breastfeeding, it's like you have a three lane highway going on and then second time around you got a five lane highway and you just keep adding on those lanes. And so it's just more more milk coming down. And so I remember feeling much more engorged second time around um, than my first. And it was, and they weren't really feeding much differently. It was just that my body had already done this before. So I was just hoping that having two of them feeding all the time (laughs) wouldn't get me engorged because they're feeding, but because she was feeding and she was emptying me so much at night, if they went three or four hours without feeding, then I get engorged. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. How about you, Christina? What was your engorgement like? I definitely experienced it um, when I first started trying to pump a little bit to try to prep going back to work. If he slept a little bit longer with the increased pumping, that definitely made it feel much more engorged. And the first time he slept four hours, I woke up and it was just, they were rocks. They were so hard. But uh, the expressing in the shower was really nice. That would be the first thing I'd do is get in the shower. And with that warm water, just expressing a little bit really helped. Yeah, I found that was helpful. And also using ice in between feedings, kind of trying to take the swelling down a little bit Even massaging while he was feeding Mm -hmm. helped just to kind of roll around. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, So Ashley, you know, mentioning all of these things, jaundice, sore nipples, engorgement, all that kind of stuff. um, We talked a lot about what was normal. And then you had also mentioned some other reasons that maybe someone, a mom would actually want to call a lactation consultant. So what what would be these reasons that a mom would really benefit from meeting with an international board certified lactation consultant during that first week? Sure. I think um, anything beyond what we talked about, the the mild sort of tenderness with the nipples, anything beyond that, any tissue breakdown, any cracking, bleeding, bruising, 
Um, if the baby hasn't started to regain weight by day five, or if mom's milk hasn't come in by day five, if, if there's, she hasn't felt that increase in volume by day five, uh, if the baby isn't peeing and pooping the amount that they should be depending on what day of life they are, if a mom suspects that her baby may have a tongue tie, um, extreme engorgement, um, anything that's very painful, um, a breast infection or breast abscess, um, and oversupply as well um, would be another reason to call an IBCLC. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for sharing this incredibly valuable information about breastfeeding during the first week postpartum. And thank you so much to our panelists as well. Um, for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of the show as Ashley will discuss what is normal infant behavior for baby's first week. For more information about the Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Here's a question from one of our listeners. This is from Erin, and she wrote, I am writing because I'm interested in becoming a lactation consultant. First, I'd like to say that I love the show. It's from having difficulty in the beginning in this show that I realized how much of an interest I have within the field. I read about becoming a certified lactation counselor and can actually attend the training seminar in October. What would be a good start since I can obtain practical hours to sit for the IBCLC exam? Would that certification be recognized by potential clients and are in the healthcare setting? Thank you for your time. And again, I really enjoy the show. Sincerely, Erin. Hi, Boob Group listeners. My name is Veronica Tingzon. I'm a board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the Original Comfort Food Lactation Services. First of all, Erin, I want to say great choice on career paths. Um, being a lactation consultant has been the best thing I've done for myself ever. Um, I love what I do. Um, one of the things that you can start investigating is um, what path you should take. There's different paths that you can take based on what kind of um, education level you have, whether you're a lay person with no college background or you have some sort of uh, degree but not in a medical field or whether you have a degree in a medical field, um, you would take a different pathway. And really the best way that you can can find all of this out is you can go to iblce.org. Once again, that's iblce.org. That's the International Board of uh, Lactation Consultant Examiners, their website, and um, it'll, it'll give you which pathway you need to take. And then you can go ahead and Google um, the different courses that there are in your area or online or um, teleconferencing so that you can start getting your hours in. You do need to become a certified lactation educator counselor first, or you can also come through the route of being a law lecture league uh, leader, and then you can uh, then tailor yourself into a lactation consultant course. 
and then um, your hospital hours or your rounding hours with a certified lactation consultant, and then ultimately sitting for your board exam. The very, very best first place to start is iblce.org, and um, hopefully you can get all the information you need from there. Hopefully you do become a lactation consultant and help many women, Erin. I commend you and your choice. This wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, our show Parent Savers for Moms and Dads with Newborns, Infants, and Toddlers, and our brand new show, Twin Talks, discussing everything from pregnancy through age five with twins. Uh, Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas, don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.